If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to Paul's letter to the Christians in Corinth. 1 Corinthians, his first letter, uh, chapter 9. And our focus uh, will be on, on verses 19 through 23. 19 through 23. Last Sunday, we were uh, seeking answers to a question. And that question, question was, what's in your heart? And it was a play off of, to a certain degree, the Capital One uh, advertisement where they asked the question, what's in your wallet? Well, a far more important, exceedingly more important is the question, what's in your heart? And we explore that in light of Paul's words to his son in the faith, Timothy, found in uh, 2 Timothy 2.4. I want to continue to explore the answer to that question and focus in on one particular aspect of it. I shared several weeks ago, I can't remember what the message was, but I remember sharing with you that in our culture we hear a certain phrase being used more and more. And uh, that phrase, when it comes to relationships, well, this person is the, the love of my heart. And, and we hear that more and more in different venues in different ways. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible statement when you think about it. I, I can tell you as I stand before, testify before you today that, you know, as a husband, obviously Kathy is the love of my life and the love of my heart. Um, as a father and a baba, you know, uh, then my children and their family, uh, they are the love of my heart. Uh, I can tell you as a pastor, pastor of this body of Christ for 30 years now, but going back to the fact that I was born and raised here as well, uh, listen, I can tell you, uh, you are, you're the love of my heart. When it comes to ministry, when it comes to relationships, uh, I just rejoice in the honor and privilege to be your pastor, be your brother in Christ, serve the Lord with you. And so from that perspective, you are the love of my heart. Um, but as a follower of Christ, ultimately, above everything else, Jesus is the love of my heart. And when you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, uh, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament in letters, you have to come to the same conclusion. There's no question in everything that he shares that if you were to ask him, of course, they didn't have that phrase most likely, obviously, in that day and time, but if you put it into their context, uh, what Paul is saying in his letters over and over in so many different ways is that Jesus... It's the love of my heart. He is the passion of my soul. And one of the evidences of that is that he had the same passion in his heart that Jesus had in his heart for the reason he came. We've been rejoicing, been worshiping the Lord about the amazing grace, the fact that he laid his life down for us. Jesus tells us what his passion was while he was here, still his passion, that is to seek and to save the lost. And when you read Paul's letter, I mean, that was the overwhelming passion of his life was to reach the lost souls that was in his world 
of influence. And as I thought about that in my own life, there's a lot of things I, I have passion for. I, I love, you know this, I love studying the Word of God. I love preparing. I love uh, putting it together to share with you, to, to be able just to share the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit use uh, the Word of the Lord to, to speak to your heart, whatever you need in your life. I mean, that is a passion of my life. Uh, my family, of course, is a passion of my life. Pastoring is a passion of my life. And so this whole year in COVID has been awful. There's so many places I can't go. As I've shared with others, I've been in the hospital one time since March of last year. And that's when Kathy had her surgery. They let me in uh, to sit in the waiting room for a while. And it was just me for a long time, just me and, and two other people. We were 30 feet apart. And I made the mistake of letting, taking my mask off. That lady jumped off that desk and made a beeline towards me. I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm putting my mask back on. That's it. And for a guy who loves pastoring, loves ministering and, and seeing, there's a lot of people, you know, they say, wait till I get my second vaccine shot, you know, before you come see me. I get it, don't misunderstand, but it's passionate. I'm, wow. I can't feel that passion. Fulfill that passion. But you know, when I look at everything about the realities of daily life, I look at the responsibilities of daily life that I have, that you have, if our heart is like Paul's heart and Jesus is the love of our life, then the number one passion has got to be helping lost souls know who Jesus is and experience the same incredible life-changing grace in their lives that we've experienced in our life. And Paul expresses this in this passage. I, I entitled this The Importance of All as our study this morning because in beginning in verse 19, going through verse 23, six times Paul uses that word all. And it's pretty powerful because the word all means there's no qualifiers. You know, what do you mean by that? It's not, uh, it's not sort of and it's not most of the time. It is all the time covering everything. There are no exceptions. It is all, all comprehensive. And he uses that word to describe different aspects of his heart, his approach, his attitude as a follower of Christ, Jesus being the love of his heart or the love of his life, having that same passion. So I, I want to look at it. Let me, just, let me just read this passage to you. If you have your Bibles open or if you're using an iPad, iPhone, if there's ways for you to mark it and all that kind of stuff. But if you got your Bible, I want you to circle. Just circle the, the, the word all as he is using it here. But let me get in verse 19. Paul sharing his heart with his passion with us. He says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. Then he gives some examples. So he goes on in verse 20. He says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, 
so that I might win those who are under the law to those who are without the law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ so that I may win those who are without the law. To the weak I have become weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. What an incredible statement. So here's what I want to do to kind of explain the heart of Paul so that we can maybe really just examine our own hearts as followers of Christ. Or maybe you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. I hope that even sharing the passion that Paul had, how incredibly important it is that the Holy Spirit will speak to you today. And today will be your day of salvation. So notice three things with me. First of all, what I'm just going to call the principle. The principle of Paul's life uh, in terms of the passion. Jesus uh, being the love of his life, the love of his heart. So a part of his passion, a central part, the most important part of his heart was to do what he could to help those who are lost come to know Christ. So let's look at the first part of verse 19. Paul talking about this and he begins by given an unusual statement in a way, but I'm going to explain it to you. Of course, for though I am free from all men. Now, what is he saying there? Well, he's saying that the passion that is in my life to reach out to those who are lost, those who are on a path that if they don't get off that path, if they don't get on the path going to eternal life with the Lord in heaven, they're going to end up obviously eternally separated from God in that awful place, cold hell, created for Satan and his demons, but those who reject Christ end up there as well. He says, the passion I have does not come from without. In other words, I'm not doing this because I have to, because I've been ordered to I'm not under the direction of any man or any religion or anything of that nature. It is all coming from within. That passion is coming from my own heart. No one is making me do this. I'm not obligated to any other person to do this for them except for the one who did it for me. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you this this passage over in his second letter to the Christians in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And listen to what he says in verses 14 and 15. Obviously, he keeps coming back to this in all of his letters. He ends up right back here talking about this incredible experience he had when he came to know Christ and how that is the passion of his heart. He says, beginning in verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. That's New American Standard. The word control here also means to compel. In other words, this this is where my passion comes from. This is where the desire of my heart comes from. It comes from the love of Christ that I've experienced. How many here can say you have experienced the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? Would you just raise your hand? I mean, I mean, it's just, it's incredibly awesome. Sometimes I'm afraid that 
through the years. You know, I accepted Christ when I was seven. And if we're not careful through the years, we, I'm going to use this phrase, we get over being saved. And all of a sudden, it just, our Christian life becomes more just a routine. We're just going through the motions because, well, we know this is what we're supposed to do. There, there's no real passion there. Well, I'm telling you, Paul never got over it. And I hope I never get over it. I hope you never get over what Christ has done for you by the power of his love when he laid his life down on the cross. Because here's what he goes on to say. Look at this passage as a whole. He says, for the love of Christ controls or compels us, having concluded that one died for all. There's that word again. For one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves. Maybe I need to repeat that part of it. Can you listen? If you have ears to hear, listen to what it says. And he died for all so that they who live, talking about those who accepted Christ, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again from the dead on their behalf. And so Paul says, look, I have this incredible passion and there's no outside force causing this. There's no one demanding this of me except the one who changed my life. And it comes from my love for him because he loved me so much. And he was willing then to, to go and be used of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. I'll just give that to you right quick. Here, here's what this scripture says. The fruit of the righteous, meaning the righteous ones, those who have come to know Christ, you've been saved. He says the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. We're to bring life to people. He says, and he who is wise wins souls. So Paul goes on to say this. Go back to 1 Corinthians 9. For though I am free from all men, it's all coming from my heart, the passion of my heart. I have, listen to this, I have made myself a slave to all. I'm free from all, but I have made a choice to make myself a slave to all so that I may win more. But what does he mean by that? Listen carefully. I'm going to put it in our terminology today. Paul says, I look at everybody God brings into my life. Are you listening? Say amen. As a divine appointment. Everyone that comes, he says all. I'm enslaved to all. So I recognize that anyone who comes into my life any day at any time, and maybe someone I see every day, but maybe someone I, I pass just crossed that day, at that time, Paul says, I stay alert. Because they may be the divine appointment for my life that day or at that moment. And so I want to be ready. I want to be available. I want to be there to respond. Whether it's to sow a seed by an act of kindness or just 
by word of encouragement or just be ready. Because everyone in my life may be that divine appointment for that day and that time. He didn't distinguish. He didn't say, uh, at this time of the day, I make myself available. No, no, no. He's saying 24-7. I'm just, I'm here from anyone and everyone God brings in my life. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to share Jesus with you. And so he just stayed alert. Did he have to deal like us with the realities of daily life? Absolutely. He said, well, no, 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 no. Paul traveled around. He was a tent maker. When he went on his missionary journeys, part of what he did was make tents. So he was working with others to supply whatever needs they needed to be able to continue to share the gospel. So he had daily realities that you and I have. He had daily responsibilities you and I have. And life happened to him like life sometimes out of the blue happens to us. But he still... He says, I am enslaved to everyone, all, anyone that God brings in my life. I'm ready, I'm alert in case that opportunity is there. Scripture says this over in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 44 and 45. Let me just share this with you. Jesus said this, whoever wishes to be first among you, listen to this phrase, shall be slave of all, servant of all. Not about us. It's about him and how he can use us. He says, whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to, serve, to be served You know, that's a message in and of itself for most Baptist churches. Do I have a witness on that? Do I have a witness on that? Don't sit there like that. I'll go down the road and get a hold of Beach Springs, get them over here, get some life going here. I, I, a little side note, I, I told them in the early service, every Sunday when I go in there, it's just like, it's like depressing to me because I see all that tape, you know, here I can divide you out, you know, spacing. We go in the sanctuary. You've been in there, you know. You know, every other pew's taped off. And I told him, I said, listen, that day that I can take all that tape off, I'm going to get Pentecostal and I'm going to speak in tongues. <laughs> I'll let the Holy Spirit do all the interpretation. Son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, that was, the, that was the heart of Paul because Jesus was the love of his life. And so he had that same passion Jesus had. He couldn't save anyone, but he could sure be that one that, that was willing to be a slave, willing to, to be available, whatever needed to take place to be able to help someone else hear the truth of God's love in their life. So there's this principle. But then he focuses in on people. And I'm not going to read that again, that, that section 
20 through first part of 22 because, you know, the Apostle Paul, can I just kind of just testify here for a moment? The Apostle Paul sometimes is really hard to follow. Do I have a witness on that? I mean, just his thought process, he just goes boom, 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 boom. And there's so many commas that, you know, it takes eight verses to get one sentence in. But let me just sum it up. He was listing the people that he wanted to share the gospel with. Can I sum it up with you with one word? Whosoever. It didn't matter to him. He didn't care whether it was Jew or Gentile. He, he didn't care whether it was man or woman, boy or girl. He didn't, he didn't care what race. He didn't care what they had or what they didn't have, where they come from, where they were going, or what even they had done to him. It did not matter to him. He just knew that anyone and everyone God brought in his life, he was there. Say, Lord, here am I, send me. Use me. All this other stuff that we use to divide man out and we, we, we use to create anger and hatred and bitterness and confusion. None of that. He, he just dismissed all of that. One of the things I loved about Reverend Billy Graham is that he broke that ground in our day and time. If he knew, did you know this? If he knew there were divisions like that, planning one of his evangelistic things, he would not come. He told me, I will not come. I don't want any barriers whatsoever. Religion, faith, denomination, anything like that. So if you want me to come to your city, get rid of that stuff. And let's just talk about the gospel. We live in a day... Uh, other pastors, and maybe some of you know this too, that you know, there's a lot written about quote unquote church strategy, you know, and people groups. And they're consumed with people groups. And a lot of the church plant strategy that is used is a lot of times you, you hear them say, well, we're just focused on a certain people group that we're trying to reach. And I get conflicted over that. Because on the one hand, just from, I guess, rational thinking, I understand what they're saying. And, and maybe they're part of that people group, that, that age, whatever it is. And so they want to reach those of their, I, I, I get that. And we do this in the church to a certain degree. We have our children, that's the people group. We have our youth, that's the people group. We have young couples, that's the people group. I mean, you know, and senior, I mean, we can divide it out. But where is the whosoever? And that's what I struggle with. So in, in, in a rational mind, I, I get it. Okay, I see what you're doing. But what if someone is not part of that people group wants to enter into what you're doing? They didn't have all that kind of stuff when the Apostle Paul <laughs> was serving the Lord. It was just whosoever. 
Why? Because we're talking about eternal issue here, folks. Well, let me get down to the practice because I'm watching my time up here. The principle, the people. By the way, let me give you this. First uh, John chapter 2. Let me give you this before we move on. First John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. John writes this, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Pretty good deal. You have the judge and your attorney happens to be the son of the judge who has never lost the case, by the way. Never will. But it's the second verse, watch this. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Praise the Lord. What's this? But not ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Does that mean everybody's going to be saved? No. That's why what we're talking about today is so incredibly important. It's now in our hands. The Holy Spirit is using us. He was using Paul. And Paul was saying, the passion of my heart, the passion of my life, because Jesus is the love of my life. Lord, I'm here. However, in any way, any shape and form, you can use me to help others. So look at the practice. He just kind of sums it up his practice. So as I read these verses, think in terms of his approach to life and his attitude to life, when it comes to those that are in our lives or in his life, should be in our lives that need Christ. So he sums it up this way. I have become all things to all men. That doesn't mean he compromised anything. Do not read that into that. He just simply saying whatever. It takes what is right before the Lord. I'm willing to minister to that person. I'm willing to be available. Whatever act of kindness that it takes, whatever ministry it takes, whatever word of encouragement it takes, even if I have to sacrifice time in my own life, whatever it takes to reach anyone and everyone God brings to life. Got a question for you. Just, just think about this. How, I think this is probably 100%. So if it's true, I really do need you to raise your hand. How many of you have eaten at Chick-fil-A? Raise your hand. Check, see. Okay, I think we got everybody, right? If there's someone who hasn't, don't worry, right after the service, Tim and Ashley, is, no, they're closed today, never mind. Got off the hook. What, what, what's the key phrase, Chick-fil-A? What's the key phrase? It's my pleasure, right? Right? You, you go and you drive through now. They give you food, say, thank you. It's my pleasure, right? I got to thinking about that. And, and what Paul was saying here, because the key is, how do, you, how do you bridge open that door a lot of times, you know? 
how do you bring up Christ? You know, maybe in a casual conversation. And it occurred to me, because I did go through Chick-fil-A the other day, so it kind of how the Holy Spirit uses a lot of things, you know what I mean? As I seek to do acts of kindness to the people God brings in my life, even if it's in the grocery line and you know, I've got three or four items and that person behind me has got a buggy or whatever or I've got a buggy and they only got two or three, that's the better illustration, and I just pull off the side and let them come through, you know? That's a pretty good act of kindness. Do I have a witness of that? Okay. A little worried about y'all today. And they say, thank you. And I respond back, it's my pleasure in Christ. Not simply, it's my pleasure. But simply respond back, it's my pleasure in Christ. What have I just done? I've just introduced my Lord into a conversation with somebody. And it's interesting then how people will sometimes respond to that. And if you do that continually in their life, not, you know, out of love, out of true love, passion. And they know you're going to say that. Every time you do that, you're mentioning your Lord, and that's a tool in the hand of the Holy Spirit. You, I think you're going to be surprised how many doors of opportunity open up when they begin to respond back to that. That's just an example of what Paul is talking about when he says, he says, I am becoming all things to all men and then he goes on saying I, that I may by all means save some. That's his approach. Look at his attitude. I do all things. All. Not some, not most of the time, not sort of, not from time to time, but I do all things. He says I do all things for the sake of the gospel. So what does that mean? It means that he lived as he lived out his life just like we have to live out our lives. Daily realities, daily responsibilities, life happens, but he keeps everything under the umbrella of the gospel. He doesn't let the realities of life or the responsibilities of life or those unexpected life happenings to cause him to lose his focus and his passion. Even in the midst of all of that. Pull that away from my beard. (laughs) Even in the midst of all of that, he's always looking to sow that seed, to share the love of Christ, to exemplify the love of Christ in people's lives. That's the importance of all. And so we can say our spouse is the love of our life and be truthful about it, obviously. 
But if we're going to say Jesus is the love of our life, and it be true, then his passion has got to be our passion. That's just the natural reality of it. So where are we? So I close with this. Go back to a verse that I used last week, 2 Timothy 2.4. And it talks about a soldier does not entangle himself with the things of this world, that he may please the one who has called him to be a soldier. Remember what that was about. It is very easy for me because of my nature to commit myself to so many things and they're good things but I don't have time to reach out to the lost the way I should. God really convicting me of that. It's just my nature is to serve and so we need to put out chairs. I'm putting out chairs with you. We need to, whatever we need to do, I'm going to jump in the middle of it, be a part of it. It's just my nature. But that takes away my freedom to be able to share the gospel the way I should be sharing the gospel. So God has told me, you have got to clean it up. That's not clean up sin. That's clean up the fact that I have too many things going in my life to really serve the Lord the way he wants me to serve him. But how about you? It's a different life, obviously. I understand that. But is there some things that needs to be cleaned up? There's there some freedom. I don't want to ever, I just breaks my heart to think that I have an opportunity and, and, and the Lord says, it is now, it is right here, it is with this one. And I'm saying, sorry, I can't. I've already committed myself to something else. Hope you got another servant that can come along take care of this person. It happens. So, we're going to have a time of invitation, just a simple invitation. They're going to play some music for us.